everybody. Welcome to another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. This is Tim Jousma, and with me I've got... Kim the Geek. Alright, another week. Another week. We are here. Um, we got a special bonus episode coming up this Sunday. Yes, because Tim's making me go see wrestling. I'm not making you do anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you like suggested it and i said okay i'll go and you bought the tickets so you're not really making me you invited me i invited you yeah i mean one you did not have to say yes to it but uh you did and you know later this year we've already talked about me going to a drag show of some sort yeah we'll figure that part out once uh something rolls through town that sounds like it would be good yeah maybe poil domar came to the area that'd be cool to, to see him uh perform and whatnot but uh this sunday i'm really excited for the show um i as you know and as i've said on the show before i've been to numerous uh live wrestling events going all the way back to the 80s um but this lineup here for this show is by far the best quality wrestling lineup i will ever see live Wow. And that is saying something here. So for folks that are not aware, NXT um, used to be uh, WWE's developmental brand. Um, but now since he, and we talked about it on our first episode back, episode 77, um, when AEW uh, debuted, WWE wanted to counter that, um, which is hip, really hypocritical on their part because uh, in the documentaries when um, they talk about uh, WWE facing off against WCW back in the 90s, Vince mm -hmm. McMahon whined big time about oh they have this show that they could put on any night of the week but they have to put it on Mondays up against Raw and what does he do when he gets a first chance when another company starts up on a day that they're not having a show he puts a show on against them of course he does he's a hypocritical bastard <laughs> but uh um but the show um is definitely going to be exciting and like i said we're going to have a bonus uh, uh bonus episode this sunday kind of going through um it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts yeah because uh, be i've never seen professional wrestling live yeah and i've i really have only i've only started watching it you know recently and it's mainly just clips that you show me on occasion and yeah. I don't like follow all the podcasts and stuff like you do and no. and all that. I'm <laughs> I'm just curious because I've you know I've kind of wanted to see it live at some point in my life. One of those kind of you want to see how the magic's list. done. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it should be pretty exciting. I'm just I hope it's not a total testosterone fest because I get kind of anxious in crowds. I'm not a huge fan of big crowds. Well, it, and well, the good thing about NXT. I'm sorry to cut. No, it's just. It's just big groups of shouting men just make me nervous. Well, the good thing about NXT is that, I mean, one, they have a really deep women's roster. Uh, That's the, true. The women's roster, by far, is probably putting on some of the better matches of the show. And um, because of that, more women are actually paying attention to the product. Imagine that. You give something women want to see, and they're going to come see it. I know. Crazy. You know, yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, we'll, before we go into the show proper, we'll just go through a quick uh, rundown of what uh, the NXT TakeOver Portland show is going to be. Um, one of the matches on the card is going to be Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai in a street fight. They, okay. used to be, they used to be tag team partners, but I, I believe it was Tegan Knox turned on Dakota Kai. So street fights usually involve weapons, and there's a good chance they may come out, come out into the audience. And we're kind of into the lower levels uh, where we're seated, so okay. th it's not guaranteed, but they could easily come in our direction. Hmm. So that'll be cool. 
Okay. One match I'm really excited to see is Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano. You have no idea who those two people I, are. You know, I don't know who any of these people yeah. are, really. But so. um, Finn Balor uh, has been wrestling for years upon years. Um, he, he made his name uh, in Japan for New Japan Pro Wrestling um, and then made his way to uh, the WWE and just has been putting on five-star matches since. Johnny Gargano, um, again, made his name on the indies as well, but, uh, but he's been primarily an NXT wrestler since working with WWE but they've both put on some amazing matches so you're going to love that uh, one um, you got Keith Lee uh, the NXT North American Champion facing off against Dominic Dijakovic for the championship Keith Lee is about 6'5 he's about 300 pounds but that guy can do some aerial stuff that I, you, you, you would he can do stuff that like five foot tall guy uh, luchadors can barely can barely do. I mean, I've seen him do like dives over the top rope. Um, that's gonna be a good match. Uh, you got the ch- uh, match for the NXT Women's Championship. You got the champion Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. Um, Bianca Belair has a great gimmick. Um, you'll you'll see it when she gets there. She has this ponytail that's really really long, and then she'll walk down to the ring and start swinging it. But then during the match too, she will hit her opponent with it and choke out her opponent with her hair. Um, okay. The important thing about this match too is that uh, the rumor is, uh, thanks to uh, wrestling journalists like Dave Meltzer, that at WrestleMania 36 we're gonna see Rhea Ripley face off against Charlotte Flair for the NXT Championship at WrestleMania. So the rumor is we're going to see Charlotte Flair this Sunday. Oh. She's, you know, she's going to answer, um, you know, because she's never, she has not come out and specifically said what she's going to challenge for, but I suspect what we'll see when we get there uh, in the arena, they'll have a big WrestleMania sign. And then after the match, after Rhea, Rhea wins, what I would suspect is if they, they do have the WrestleMania sign, Charlotte Flair comes out and then will do what every Royal Rumble winner has done since uh, WrestleMania 20, and that's point to the WrestleMania sign and saying, all she has to say by that, you know? Um, then you gotta... So, so what was the name of the person who whips her, people with her hair? Bianca Belair. You know that's probably not her real hair, right? Probably an extension. It's probably a lot of extensions. I still the fact that you know it she's using it as a weapon okay, just, is great just so you know that it's it's probably not her real hair i get it i get it okay i mean because I, I imagine you know hair that long even if you do um you know treat it religiously is probably you know the longer it gets probably the weaker it gets at the end and well the, yeah the ends will split and it gets heavy yeah really really heavy i used to have really long hair and it's I had shoulder-length hair once. You cut it off, and you're just like, wow, my hair is like eight pounds lighter. Yeah. My head's like so light. Well, I figured with my me, my, I got it like a pumpkin head anyway, so <laughs> it's, I don't need something else to make it look even bigger. Um, uh, then we got a match for the NXT Tag Team Championships, the champions from the Undisputed Era. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly will face off against the Broserweights, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne. That is going to be another great, uh, great match there. And then finally, for the NXT Championship, Adam Cole, the champion, will face off against Tommaso Ciampa. And now I'm picturing you with a jack-o'-lantern for a head. Since you had the pumpkin head. You said you had a pumpkin head. Oh, okay. 
All I can think of is Halloween 3. I, I, I don't recall seeing that entire movie all the way through, but I do remember that scene where the kid had a pumpkin mask on and he was watching TV and then a special thing came on and then he started squeezing and he killed himself by just like squeezing his head into mush. That's gross. Yeah. Well, that's horror movies for you. Gross. Yeah. Yep. All right. On to the show itself. On now, to the show. In the previous episodes, you've talked about, um, we, you know, we've mentioned Beavis and Butthead, and you've mentioned yep. um, that Beavis and Butthead, you know, was a pretty big influence on music. Yeah, I would say it was, um, it was one of those things that just showed up on MTV and everybody just started watching it. And then all of a sudden, people were like getting into these bands that were on Beavis and Butthead, it seemed like. Yeah, and, and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, why not go through and just, you know, name off a couple of bands that I probably would not have given the time of day if it were not for Beavis and Butthead. All right, which bands are those? All right, uh, first one, it was a band called White Zombie. Oh, yeah, yeah that's true. I hadn't really heard much about white zombie until they were on beavis and butthead yeah beavis and butthead is what launched uh white zombie and, and of course rob zombie into the public consciousness um it was thunder kiss 65 yeah okay and they may have uh, i believe they also covered um uh like uh what was that black sunshine i don't know i'm really yeah. not into white zombie yeah, I mean, I for me, I like a couple of their songs. I like Rob Zombie more than anything else, but his solo work. But um, you know, just it, it was different. It was, I mean, the video was was uh, the video for Thunder Kiss '65 is kind of like a tribute to you know like a grindhouse movie from the '70s. You know, you could yeah. you could see, um, you know. Th- th- you could you could tell that Rob Zombie you know was going to have a, a shot at you know making a movie at some point in the future because um, you know it told a story um, it was visually stimulating the music was good um, but it, yeah I mean without Beavis and Butthead never would have uh, heard them before someone else that may surprise you Frank Sinatra yeah. <laughs> Beavis and Butthead got you into Frank Sinatra yeah um they had they played a video uh that uh they did for uh the duets album uh in the early 90s uh it was his last big uh official yeah, uh, release i remember yeah and he had a video with bono for i've got you under my skin oh that's right he did do a duet with bono didn't he yeah now the God, freaking you too oh don't get me started about you too U2's okay. I mean... Ugh, one of the most overrated bands ever. Uh, I, I would agree with that. I mean, but they, but having said that, they do have some... They're, they're a greatest hits band for me. Ugh. You know, but hearing uh, that video is the first time I really, you know, had a chance to listen to something else from Sinatra besides, um, you know, the theme from New York, New York. And, huh. you know, I've got you under my skin. What a hell of a love song. I don't know if that's a love song or more of an obsession song. I, for me, I would put it as a love song. I, th- I think it's one of those, um, it's a love song about somebody that was falling in love with another person that didn't necessarily want to at first, but then just fell head over heels. Uh, I'm going, I'm, I'm mentally reviewing the lyrics and I'm just... I've got you under my skin. It's just, there's a lot of songs from that era that were on the borderline between like sweet and stalker 
it wasn't a police song let's put it that way <laughs> it, it it wasn't one that you know you would you would be like yeah and and, and where are you going to be at late at night so i can lock my doors type of mm. song yeah uh, but yeah there was that um the Bee Gees. <laughs> the Bee Gees? yeah they played uh jive talking. i guess i didn't like watch enough beavis and butthead because i don't recall the Bee Gees or Frank Sinatra as Beavis and Butthead staples. The Rob Zombie, yes. Or yeah. White Zombie, whatever. Well, but again, I'm talking for me and me alone. I'm not talking for okay. the general audience, you know. But um, hearing the Bee Gees, like, at first I thought that they were going to make fun of them. But what Jive Talking is a great song. And then it just ended with, um, you know, Beavis um, ha- having fun with the bass line. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't really know much about the Bee Gees until I got to college and stuff. And um, when the whole like rave music thing hit, I was like in my second year of college. And so, like, what kind of happened was a, a counter wave, at least on my campus, where a lot of people started getting into disco music just because <laughs> rave music and disco music are pretty closely related. There's a lot of sampling going on and right. things of that nature. So it was kind of like there was like a resurgence of just dance music in general that everybody was playing at parties and stuff. And so, yeah, a lot of people just like raided the Goodwill, <laughs> got a bunch of uh, disco albums, and it was uh, it was an interesting time in music for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, last but not least, and there are others as well. Last but not least uh, for me was Primus. Oh, yeah. I can see that. I mean, yeah, I knew... Why don't just count ourselves a big brown beaver? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I knew I was familiar with Primus before Beavis and Butthead were, were popular. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I could see I could see that where, where you would learned about Primus that way. Yeah, I mean, overall, that show has had a pretty massive impact. I mean, it, it really was ahead of its time in how it showcased music, but it also was one of the first shows that essentially showed what television and entertainment was going to be like going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, because in, in you know in the eighties, seventies, sixties, you know, up until the early nineties, um, you know, te- broadcasters would even cable providers would try to make content for as many people as possible. But it was around the mid nineties ish, and you know, going till today, um, and we discussed it previously too. I mean, you know, Fred Silverman was probably he planted the seed, but the nineties was probably the time where. Um, you know, television companies were making content for very specific audiences, and not yeah. and not uh, content that like just general content. When the fa- when the idea of like multiple TVs per household and cable TV mm-hmm. became realities, which was starting towards the late eighties and then into the nineties. Yep. And yep. then people were realizing, oh, everybody can watch what they want to watch all at the same time, but in different rooms, which kind of destroyed the whole family dynamic but then there were so many different channels i mean you could have like you know little julie in her room watching you know disney channel and dad's watching baseball and mom's watching her soaps that she recorded earlier in the day and then junior's off playing video games or whatever 
I mean... Or watching the Scrambled Spice Channel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That would be you. (laughs) I never did that. Uh, Wink. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely true. When when programming started to get really specific was definitely towards the late 80s, early 90s. Because even when I was a kid, we at one point had... A TV upstairs and a TV downstairs because we, my parents finally finished the basement, so we had a TV downstairs. And if the kids wanted to watch something other than what mom and dad were watching, we had to go downstairs in the cold basement. No, for us, <laughs> I mean, we we had cable as long as I can remember. I mean, I still remember um, this little brown box that the cable company uh, oh, yeah. gave us, where it was like this little switch that we, you would just go if you want to go to channel forty five, you go up to forty five mm-hmm. and then down and. All my sister and I would do it just, you know, back and forth, um, you know, and, and also, too, I mean, growing up with one TV and cable. Yeah. If my mom wanted to watch something, that's why we watched. Yep. Whether I wanted to or not. Yep. Um, you know, mom, luck- and dad, mom and dad overruled us. Yeah. I mean, that was so great when I had kids of my own, but I still tried to show them stuff that they may find some enjoyment out of. You know, yeah. I wasn't a complete dick, but, um, you know, <laughs> I'm sure some of them would disagree. Yeah. Thank you. You know, now, anyway. going back to Primus, have you ever had a chance to see Primus live? Nope. I've got to see them live twice now. It was a, it was a good, good time. Did you know time. that Les Claypool, um, when Cliff Burton in Metallica died, auditioned to be the bass player? in Metallica I could see that yeah I mean he he didn't get it of course um, but in that uh, what do they call that documentary that they did that everybody goofed on Metallica about but there was a documentary in the 2000s that they did and Les Claypool was a guest in that documentary and they were joking about the audition because I guess he showed up looking nothing like a metal star and then just did what Les Claypool does and uh, they became friends they're still friends today but you know they both realized that you know Les Claypool and Metallica was never going to work yeah yeah I don't think those groovy bass lines with Metallica although that would be an interesting mashup it would be interesting, but I think it would be distracting more than anything else. Uh, because I think with metal, it, the primary, the primary instrument in metal has always been uh, guitar. Um, you know, yeah. you have you have someone like Motorhead with Lemmy being a lead bass player in that, but even then, Lemmy was playing it like a guitar. I mean, with a pick and you mm-hmm. know and whatnot, he wasn't going all over the place. You know, and I think uh, Les Claypool is probably more um, inspired by people like uh, the bass player from Rush or John Entwistle from The Who. Um, just funk in general. Yeah, just you know. Yeah, that would thing. be. I would still like to hear that on a couple of songs. That would be interesting. It would shock me if they did not do some, like, concert together, you know? I mean, occasionally Metallica will have people come out and, you know, they'll do duets. So, uh, you know, we'd have to look in the... Look on Google, but I I would be shocked if there wasn't some uh, video somewhere of them playing. Yeah, probably. It wouldn't surprise me either. Oh, wait, I I think I know what it may be. uh, Because I know Metallica did an acoustic radio show. Oh. Um, and I think Les Claypool was a part of that because one song they did on that acoustic radio show ended up on their Garage Inc. album where they did the cover of Leonard Skinner's Tuesday's Gone. I never listened to that album. Oh, I should check it out probably. I, I liked it because the first disc on the album was uh, their initial EP, um, Garage Days 
or I, I forgot the initial, but they had a cover that Metallica, uh, an EP that Metallica did in the 80s where they covered uh, a bunch of bands that influenced them. Oh. And then um, and then for Garage Inc., um, th- what they ended up doing was covering other stuff too, like Tuesday's Gone, like Turn the Page from Bob Seger, um, Whiskey in the Jar, uh, a tradition... Whiskey in the Jar is a traditional Irish song, but um, it was made famous by uh, Thin Lizzy. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, you were reading a book. Yes, I read lots of books. I do. I read a lot of books. And this week I had read an article on the Washington Post about uh, Jessica Simpson and her, her new autobiography where she spills all the tea on uh, some of the stuff that she's been doing over the years and you know i've never been a big fan of jessica simpson i've always just kind of like i've kind of admired her a bit because she she took she's taken her career in a lot of different directions and she keeps bouncing back from a lot of different adversity i mean she she had the newlyweds show with nick lachey and came across as a total idiot but she's not she's not a a stupid person well in those reality shows what people didn't realize when they first started becoming prevalent was that they are shows it's not Mm -hmm. that they just turned on the camera what they what they do for almost all of those shows is they will introduce some element of drama or tell somebody to ham it up or something like that so i think there was an instance to where she I, I don't know if she mentions it in the book, but the chicken of the sea deal. Oh yeah, of course she mentions that in the book. That thing was, that whole thing was huge, where she was making that comment. But the, it's not that she's she's not stupid. She likes to, she has she seems to have a good sense of humor, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is is that she gets. She had she, at one point she talks about in her early years she had a pretty severe stutter, and that's how she got started singing. Is because if she couldn't say it, she could sing it. So, you know, rather than stuttering and trying to get her words out, she would sing whatever she was trying to say. I have to go potty. Yeah, you know, or whatever. And it was like, I would like a sandwich today. I don't know. Do you want mustard on it? No. (laughs) Just ham and cheese, please. And make it quick, you dirty bitch. No, no, no. <laughs> you're terrible. No, it's just uh, you know, a lot of people have this idea that she's a dumb blonde, but she's not dumb, and she's gone through a lot of the same problems that most of us have with self-esteem and depression and anxiety and drinking problem. And I've never had any of those. <laughs> you're such a. F- I'm so full of it. Anyway, it's interesting because she does drop a lot of tea, a.k.a. truth, on her relationship with John Mayer back in the day. Ooh. Yeah. Sounds like he's a real dick. That wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me either. But, um... All I remember from John Mayer, though, I haven't really heard his music, but I remember that Chappelle show bit where... Him and Dave Chappelle were singing "Every Rose Has Its Thorn," and then the black cop was like, "That's my shit." You know, I grew up in the suburbs. <laughs> I never saw that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I never really watched the Chappelle show. So, oh, classic. Um, anyhow, this this um, autobiography, I, I find it really interesting, and it's 
touching because it's, she seems like a really a nice person in general and I, I do admire women who like pull themselves up out of out of toxic relationships and and get their shit together and have a good it's it's a success story and it's it's a positive success story and I like that and so I've been enjoying it so I would recommend it if you if you like you know you like your share of trash tv and you you like a to see someone uh, turn things around and and start living their best life. I mean, this well, this woman came up with her own clothing line and is now a billionaire as a result. Literally, she's made a billion dollars from her clothing line. Yeah. And I'm just like and I I like looked at her website and I was looking at her clothes and I'm like these aren't clothes that I would wear, but I can see their appeal and she she does them from size small to 3X. So it's like, I could wear them if I wanted to. And the shoes, well, the shoes are way too high. <laughs> I would not wear the shoes. But, um, yeah, I'm just, I was very pleasantly surprised. Well, I mean, I, maybe, and does she comment about stuff like the Dukes of Hazard? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, how we talked about uh, in... On episode 77 uh, when we talked about the male gaze and how you know they utilized her more for eye candy and not anything substantial yeah she talked about that a little bit how so well she you know she mentions that she was for one thing she dieted like crazy to get to that that's not her natural state of being yeah she's not a skinny little thing like she has appeared before she's been to in order to do that, she's been on diet pills and been basically starving herself and just going crazy mentally as a result. Yeah. But um, I think her thing is, it's not that she wants necessarily to be eye candy. It's just that she wanted, she, you know, she genuinely just wants to be a funny, happy Girl, well, and and to be clear, I'm not saying there's anything necessarily inherently wrong with eye candy. I mean, it's it's, mm -hmm. but it's, I, I can see where, especially for a woman, uh, it would be frustrating when you know you do have interest in other areas that they just tell you smile, look pretty, show your boobs, type of type yeah, of and basically that's what they were doing, and the fact that she was able to sort of push out of that because that was basically what Tommy Mottola or however you say his name from Sony mm -hmm. was doing to her on her first couple of albums like she was trying to get on MTV trying to get her videos on there you gotta lose more weight you gotta get more abs you gotta show more skin and he, she was just like but I don't want to I want to just sing my music and well he was married to Mariah Carey when she was. was doing the jeans and black shirt mm -hmm. deal which I mean, and then after she divorced him, then she went all Vegas showgirly. But um, different yeah. story for a different day. <laughs> yeah. At at any rate, she basically was told, "No, you're, you know, you need to be making music this way." And she was able to take the money that she made from being on Newlyweds to do her own type of music, and then she really took off when she went kind of country. And then also when her fans were like, so where did you get your clothes? And she started being like, 
well, this is, you know, I bought this at, you know, I bought this at Barney's or someplace like that. This is too expensive. Why, why don't I just make my own clothes and sell them to my fans? And yeah. boom. And she's not doing like couture. She's doing stuff that real people can afford and wear. You know, like I said, size is small to 3X. So, um, you know, she she's defied stereotypes in a lot of ways and just has pushed through and gone on to do her own thing and any juicy sex stories well apparently apparently she she had john mayer just like totally john mayer called her sexual napalm at one point what why apparently it's from what it sounds like is they were they were very toxic together and he was like kind of obsessed with her but it was kind of like it was like a breakup get to get back together breakup get back together breakup get back together <laughs> one of those kinds of things got it yeah uh, and and a lot of us have gone through that at least once I, most people multiple times of course yeah and those relationships are never good but there's just there's something I, ideally there. what you would want to do in a relationship like that is to figure out what is attracting you to that person that wants that makes you want to have them in your life but to accept the reality that as far as a relationship relationship goes it is not good or healthy mm-hmm. for for either of you you know I, in yeah. a perfect world you would find a way to still be friends because there's something that's causing a spark but yeah it doesn't always work that way um, it, it, that's life i mean that's, yeah that's life and it's something we all have to go through at some point yep Anyway, I liked it. it. Jessica Simpson, Open Book is the name of it. All right. You can get it just about anywhere where books are sold. All right. Well, speaking of women in entertainment. Oh. Yeah. Um, came across a rather stupid fucking article. <laughs> oh, one of those, huh? Yeah. Um, from the very quote-unquote reputable website, uh, CheatSheet.com. Uh, they have an article that the title is Captain Marvel 2 is Marvel caving to disgruntled fans and replacing Brie Larson. Let's hope not. Well, first of all, no, they're not. Um, you know, a film makes a billion dollars and you have someone as, as the star of that film, the, the production company's going to do what they can to keep that person as the star of that film. Probably, yeah. You know, unless there is absolutely no reason, uh, no way for that person to perform. I mean, I can't think of any other long-time, you know, big-time successful movie that had a star that, you know, when the sequel came around, was replaced. I, You know, I'm sure there are examples. I just can't think of it. I can't think of any either. Yeah, but the article goes into, um, I, I did, I, sadly I read it, and it, it goes into uh, a discussion about a small contingency of fans, you know, that go to places like change.org. Um, they talk about a um, petition that was put together that had over 30,000 signatures, ooh, ooh, saying that Brie Larson should be replaced. Now, what some of these fans have done, too, is they kind of twist it to make themselves appear to not be misogynistic against Brie Larson you know oh no we want a woman of color to play Captain Marvel that's what we want 
yeah, Brie Larson was great as Captain Marvel. I mean, we've talked about Captain Marvel on the show before. Not a perfect movie by any means, no. but Brie Larson did one hell of a job. As... Yeah, Brie Larson's a very talented actor, so yeah. why would you change Brie Larson? You don't change Brie Larson. You know, Marvel is not going to change, unless she develops, like, a meth habit that, that you know, she starts smoking crystal meth live on Late Night with Stephen Colbert, or Late Show with Stephen Colbert, they're not going to replace her. No. And it's, it's just, again, these online fans that, you know, this article is, you know, fanning the fire, and sadly, me talking about it on, on this podcast is fanning a little bit of the fire because it's it's taking a very small minority of people and g- making their opinion mean more than what it really does then why did you bring it up because <laughs> i have to ask the question don't put my feet to the fire like that uh no it's it, your feet are nowhere near a fire at the moment give it five minutes uh no um it's <laughs> what are you gonna fart <clears throat> light no. it on fire then you'll be on fire. I'll save that for episode 100. Okay. Um, then we'll magically not have any guests for that episode. Yeah, if you're going to light your farts, you can you can solo that one. Yeah. Um, no, it's... It's I, I, it's one thing for people to just not like a film. Like me, um, when it comes to the Zack Snyder uh, DC films, I don't like them. I'm not a fan, and I'm going to be vocal about what I don't like about them. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that, because I also acknowledge that there are fans of those movies. And those fans, if if Warner Brothers, you know, with, with the Zack Snyder uh, example, feels that they can make money with those fans by putting out more Zack Snyder content, by all means, they should go out and do that. But people have this tendency to think that their opinion and that is clearly what this is uh when when it comes to the brie larson news is fact it is not fact and it's it's i i feel it's important to talk about it so people can maybe hopefully kind of sort of have the film on their eyes kind of dissipate to, to kind of see what their actions are are, are doing. Well, Be- and the thing is, is that there are, there are people like that for pretty much every fandom. There are. I mean, and, I mean, even like you know, I play Elder Scrolls Online. That's like the game that I play. And you know, if you look at the online forums, there's always going to be somebody who's like, "You guys have broken insert you know I part of game here." And this, it's so broken. It's unplayable. I'm good to quit. Blah, 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 blah. And that's what all these people are doing, basically. They're like, this is, this is broken. We don't like the casting. You better fix it. Make it the way I want to do it. Make it the way I want to do it. It's like, no, if you want it the way you want it, then you need to go and start a Hollywood studio and, you know, find like, you know, 50 to a hundred million dollars somewhere. Not even that. Not even that. (laughs) What they need to do is put their money behind entertainment that pleases them. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't like the Marvel movies... Watch the DC movies. If you don't like DC, watch the Marvel movies. If you don't like either, watch a Martin Scorsese movie. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's like, uh, watch sports. Watch reality TV. You know, find a costume drama you like. 
there's there's something out there for everybody yeah and i also think too on some of these people that have you know podcasts or some people that have uh, youtube channels like the youtube channels are are can be pretty bad because you got some people that even to this day will on a daily basis put out multiple videos talking about how marvel's going bankrupt or brie larson is the absolute worst and i just what it does is unfortunately negativity sells and i i don't get that that's not logical and i I, yeah i don't understand it either you're just putting a whole lot of energy into hating it's 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 bad for you physically mm-hmm. to spend that much energy hating something or somebody. It just, it, it wears you down. It literally wears you down. And, and yeah, when you have that amount of hate, I mean, everybody has had, had, everybody's had an experience where they've had some form of irrational hate. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and it happens. It can happen pretty regularly. I mean, I know there are, some people that I just have this irrational dislike for and I don't know why but I do and so I just kind of like okay I just put it aside focus on something else that's the reason I wake up with bruises uh, no I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> yeah apparently I'm violent in my sleep <laughs> oh there yeah there was one time I, I think you may have thought you were a ninja <laughs> you know you were punching and kicking <laughs> It doesn't surprise me. I have some really vivid dreams sometimes, usually involving being a superhero or a secret agent or something to that effect. And a lot of times if I'm having a bad dream, I can actively change it as I'm dreaming. Mm -hmm. And usually it's magic. So if you see me like holding my hands out, it's because I'm stopping the bad dream. Well, one time you were giving like a right hook to the air. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Calm down, Rocky. (laughs) Yeah, I remember. I think that was the dream where someone was trying to smother me. (laughs) So (laughs) trying to get them off. Yeah, I don't I have like I said, I have some I have some pretty vivid dreams. Oh, I remember my ex-wife when we she after my daughter was born, she had some pretty hardcore medication she had to have for because the doctor that did the C-section did like a 13-inch incision. Good lord. And it yeah, it didn't heal properly. Ow. Um so some of the, the medication that she would had would put her to sleep, but she would still be awake if that makes sense. Yeah, it was you, that kind of twilight kind of. Yeah, and I you know, I convinced her one time um, I was a guy named Harold, and she, in her head, had a picture of Harold as, like, this short little five-foot guy, five-foot-tall guy with, like, red hair and whatnot, and I would have whole conversations with her as Harold, and then one time, you know, she was like, who are you? And I'm like, I'm Jesus. And she's like, no, you're not! You're not Jesus! And I'm like, no, Jesus Costello. <laughs> Convinced her I was Jesus Costello, so that was funny. <laughs> Don't... If I ever have to take drugs like that, don't do that to me. Because I'll right hook you. You know I can. You've seen it. <laughs> or karate kick me. Or I'll karate kick you. <laughs> Roundhouse kick to the face. You'll deserve it, too. Yeah. Finish him. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. It'll be a Mortal Kombat moment in the bedroom. I hate it. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to do that. Yeah. All right album review of the week album review of the week it's my week yep and what did you pick i picked 
Jane's Addiction. That's the band, and the album is Nothing Shocking. And I'll tell you why I picked it. Okay. It was a band that a bunch of my friends and I were into when we were in high school. And it was when they were touring for a different album other than this one. This is their second album, their first studio album, but their second release. They released an album first on an independent label that was just live tracks. And apparently a couple of songs on this album were from... That yeah, first yeah, well, so. yeah, but um, so they were touring for Ritual de lo Habitual, and they had a show at the um, Salem Armory of all places, and it was on a school night. So my friends and I, you know, being that we were seniors and it was late in the year, it was like May, it was late in the school year, so we were pretty much done with all the serious stuff for the year. So we decided to, uh, you know, our parents were okay with it. We skipped school. We like the concert. I think was on like a a Sunday night, so we were all gonna skip school on Monday, Ooh, the day after. Dangerous. But oh, I know, so dangerous. So um, one of our friends had moved previously, and she was living in Silverton, which is down near Salem. And so a bunch of us all went to the show, went to the Jane's Addiction concert, and so some of my friends were into illegal substances and. Some I know, some of my friends were not in you know high school, but um, I was not, so I was one of the sober drivers, and we uh, so we went to the concert. It was really good. So your friends were free basing cocaine, right? No, no, just weed. It was more like weed, and (laughs) I think someone had some beer or something. But um, so then we go, we go to the concert. It gets done late. Then we go to my friend's place in Silverton, and. Little did we know that she was living on a farm. It was a friggin' farm. So it's like super dark because it's out in the middle of nowhere. And so we all pull in and we've all got sleeping bags and stuff. We all like pile into the living room and crash out. But apparently someone's car was blocking like one of the gates for the sheep. (laughs) So we like were awakened in the morning by our friend's dad or uncle or somebody like, like need your car keys we can you're gonna move the car it's blocking the the gate and we need to herd the sheep and one of my friends jeff he was just like i have to herd sheep he's all half asleep and i think he had been high the night before <laughs> we have to herd sheep what i don't know how to herd sheep and we're just like jeff just give him your keys and anyway it was just silly and okay it was it was <laughs> it was fun skipping school it was a really fun concert I got to see Jane's Addiction twice that year. I saw them again at um, the very first Lollapalooza when it stopped in Seattle. It was actually... That peripheral organized. Yep. Yep. It was one of their last stops on the tour. And of course, it being Seattle, it rained, even though it was summer. It (laughs) rained. That was an experience all on its own, that whole Lollapalooza. Whew. That was crazy. (laughs) But it was fun. It was crazy, but it was fun. And that was when I was 18. So. All right. I was young and dumb. and. Did you show uh, Perry Farrell your boobs? No. Did you, you know, lift your, Were you one of those girls like, oh my God? <laughs> you know, I like the band Jane's Addiction, but I have absolutely no attraction to any of the members. Okay. Not even Dave Navarro? No. No. <laughs> no. No. There's. there's no, they're they're too sketchy. I'm 
a former coworker of mine um, actually was what's that show on? There's a there was a tattoo show. I think it was called like Ink Master. Oh or yeah, yeah. Like there's that. a couple. Yeah, there's a couple of different tattoo shows. Yeah, and but, he was on. He I think he was on Ink Masters. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, she was actually on that show. Um, oh. Where they uh, did um, Van Gogh's Starry Night on her back. Oh. And whatnot, and she talked about being a little skeeved out because there's like one scene where he was um watching and she's a woman with her shirt <laughs> off getting this done and then you have slimy rock rock guitarist uh dave navarro you know standing next to her and she's like lying on a table with with her shirt off and whatnot and she felt a little awkward <laughs> yeah yeah that would be a bit awkward if you're not getting something that you can easily expose like your arm or your leg or something tattooed mm-hmm and you're on a basically a TV set with a ton of people wandering around. No, it did have a little fun at her expense, though, because her and I, <laughs> believe it or not, um, <laughs> have a little sarcastic thing. Like, we, we first met on the Best Buy water cooler um, oh, that I've that, talked about yeah. before. And um, <laughs> there was a time where, for whatever reason, people wanted to be the water cooler president. And, you know, I, I was one of them that had tossed my hat into the name and there was n- no official water cooler president. People were just goofing around. But I made a campaign commercial where I talked about this little girl named Rosita who, um, you know, it's a, a sign of growing up that, you know, you lose a tooth, you put it under the pillow and, you know, you're there for the tooth fairy. And there's a reason for this because she had, a, her name is Alex. She had a picture of herself with like a tutu on and, and wings. So I, I implied that um, she beat up a little girl and <laughs> call her money. And do you want this type of person as your water cooler president? <laughs> <laughs> you're terrible Tam yeah. but but what I did on the show is that um, of all the images of her on that show I able I was able to get a screenshot of her just like in pain but when, when they're doing the tattoo but it was like a close up of her face but it could be interpreted in different ways <laughs> oh jeez I'm an asshole. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> okay. All right, let's talk about these songs track by track. Yep, and as usual, we're giving our honest opinion. What You know, if we like it, we like it. We don't, we don't. Um, but we encourage you to listen to this album. Yeah, yeah. I like this album. Um, like I said, it's their second release, first studio album. Um, quite honestly... I haven't really listened to much after Ritual Do the Bejewel, so I don't know if their current stuff is any good. I'm guessing probably not. I haven't listened to it, but I'm guessing probably not, because basically after their third album, it kind of went to shit. The band broke up. The band breaks up and gets back together on a regular basis, and then they've had side projects, and the side projects weren't that great either. I didn't like the main side project was Porno for Pyros, and I didn't really like that band at all. Yeah. I thought it was pretty over overdone. But honestly, I think their first their their first cup their first three releases are solid, and that includes this release that we're going to talk about today. So, okay. With that being said, first song is "Up the Beach," and it's basically kind of an intro instrumental with like a little bit of Perry going and stuff. Yeah. There's not much to say about it. No, 
I mean, it, it did have... I, I, I would be absolutely shocked if this the opening of the song was not inspired by Black Sabbath. Because mm-hmm. um, I got kind of vibes from, you know, the first Black Sabbath album um, with, their, with their first song on the album called Black Sabbath. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, it yeah, kind of a weird mood piece. I think this and another song near the end... Uh, thank you, boys. Yeah. I don't know if they were looking for a concept album per se, but it it just sounded clunky. It sounded like the first song that you would hear on like a concept album or like an overture or something like that. But... Yeah, I think it's just they were. Honestly, I don't know why they didn't just end it. Well, that's towards the end, but yeah, they should have just if they're gonna start it with up the beach, they should have ended it with thank you, boys. But they didn't. They switched. They had the to two. keep going. <laughs> They switched the two tracks, yeah, which yeah. is weird. Anyway, so track two, Ocean Size, is the first, like, proper song on here. And it's... It, if it, I, I like the song, but it's just... It's very overdramatic. It's very... The way that it's sung, it's basically like, I wish I was Ocean Size, meaning big as the ocean. And you gotta realize, too, that these these albums were made under the influence of a lot of drugs. And you yeah. can hear it. I mean, the notes I had, I, I love the guitar work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, f- despite everything I said about Dave Navarro, he's one hell of a guitar player. Yeah, he knows how to play the guitar. Yeah. He, he may be a kind of a skeezy guy, but he knows how to play the guitar. Yeah, yeah. And um, that, that, more than anything for me, is what, you know, kept my interest marginally there for, for this particular song. I, I, I put that it was forgettable, but the guitar work makes it uh, worth a listen. I'm also gonna put it out there that I've never been a fan of Perry Farrell's vocals. His voice is definitely an acquired an acquired taste, taste. <laughs> and I think that's one of the reasons why I like the first three albums. And then I don't know. I don't know if he like had something go wrong with his vocal cords or overused them, but he gets real screechy, like on the Porno for Pyros album. And I don't, I don't know, just. He's not the most likable person, but I really still like the music. <laughs> He's got a face that you want to punch. I mean, he does. And, and and some of the smart-ass things he said about like using drugs and stuff, I've just been kind of like, dude, don't encourage people. Yeah, this is voice, though. It, it, it's, it's like a Jerry Lewis impersonator singing alternative rock songs. Changes. You know. Okay. Yeah. All right, so um, yeah, ocean size. It's it's not really one of those ones that you can just kind of like bob your head and rock out to. It's the the it's got a bigger sound. The notes are more stretched out. It's not like the next song is much more like more straightforward. More straightforward. Yeah, the yeah. next song's called "Had a Dad," and. I mean, when you listen to the lyrics, you can tell that some of the guys in the band have had abandonment issues with regards to their fathers. You know, <laughs> I looked around me, saw my daddy gone. Yeah, I mean, I put that yeah, it was a more straightforward rock song. Um, Farrell's vocals didn't overpower it. So even if you're not a fan, you can still get some enjoyment. Um, I did like the guitar solo. Yeah, I mean that is really the the shining moment from from this particular. Song. Yeah, I like I I do like this song a lot. It's very catchy. Mm-hmm. It's got good guitar hooks, um, and you can you 
can you rock out to it? Um, the fourth track is called Ted Just Admit It. And this is another more concept kind of one. It's about Ted Bundy. Is it about Ted Bundy? Yep. I did some research, so. And apparently well, there sense. is, apparently there is even a, a clip of Ted Bundy speaking in a song, if I'm not mistaken. You know, you're right. I did know that. Why did I not remember that? Uh. All those drugs you took at that concert. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take any drugs at the concert. <laughs> Literally, I was such a goody-goody in high school. I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink. I didn't do any of that. That all started... College hits. Yeah, that all started in college. (laughs) Where's the cocaine? (laughs) No, I've never done cocaine. (laughs) No, there's just... There's a a line that I won't cross, and that line is made of cocaine. (laughs) Literally, I will not cross that line with a straw or otherwise. (laughs) Okay. No, no cocaine for me. I would just, I think that would just, no, that would be a bad thing. You don't work. Hey, hello, how are you? This is Kim. <laughs> <laughs> no. Would you like a prescription fill? Thank you, much. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no cocaine. But yeah, Ted, just admit it. Um, it's, it, yeah, it's definitely one of those concept songs when I was listening to the album again. I mean, I don't listen to this album very often. I usually pick it up maybe once every, like, four or five months or so. I'll, like, be, hey, you know what I haven't listened to in a while? I'll pop it on. And I'll usually skip that song because it's kind of slow. And then it gets towards the end and, yeah. yeah. I I put, it had a unique low-key way to start the song. I enjoyed the bass work in it. Um, it, it, it if anything, it, it's kind of a mood piece similar to Up the Beach. Yeah. You know, just with, with some more vocals uh, in the song. Um, but, eh, I, you know, I liked the music. Could have done without the vocals. If it was just straight instrumental track, I probably would have enjoyed it a little more. Yeah. All right. So track five, Standing in the Shower Thinking. This is one of the standouts on this album, I think. I really like this song a lot. Because it's something that I think we can all identify with. Because basically the lyrics are about, like, you get in the shower and you just stand there and you just start thinking. (laughs) You just, there's sometimes when you've just, you got the hot water pouring on you and you just start pondering stuff. And then you piss yourself, apparently. I don't, but some people do. Um... <laughs> That's the main lyric. It's like, okay. and I'm pissing on myself, standing in the shower, thinking. We got 94 episodes in, and we find us out there. <laughs> what? That I generally don't piss in the shower? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay then. <laughs> there's, uh, there's a perfectly good toilet right next to the shower that I can use before I get in there. Yeah. So I don't need to do it in the shower. Well, it's not like, you know, you can, like, have much aiming precision like a guy can, you know, if you do that anyway. I know, that I'm just pissing on myself, literally. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just like the... Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly how it sounds. When women pee, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> yep, so that's... So for any kids listening. <laughs> yeah, it's a science lesson with, with Dr. Tim here. Yeah, I did read the Vagina Bible after all. Huh. You know, chapter 7. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. 
Moving on. To well, I, well, let me get my thoughts on the song. <laughs> oh, um, oh, you have thoughts other than bleh? Well, yeah, I, mean, it was, I didn't think of pissing <laughs> when, we, <laughs> well, when the, I heard that's this the, song. One of the main lyrics of the song. I, I, it's, it's, you know, I, I tend it's to like drown the... out Perry Farrell's voice. I, 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 you know, the only song of his that I have any sort of halfway enjoyment out of is uh, Ben Caught Stealing. Okay. You know, so I, 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 more than anything, I just ignore it. But the notes I had is that the album breaks out into a Hootie and the Blowfish song. Just what? the music, it started off with that jangly type of Hootie and the Blowfish type of guitar sound. And, and obviously Hootie came later. I get that. So I'm not, you know, stating that Hootie influenced this song, but it, it sounded like that. Um, Dave Navarro's Dave guitar work, really good in the song. But the vocals and the lyrics, I mean, like, the water is a fucking hot. The water is a fucking hot. The water is a fucking hot. It, it it's like he went into the studio and just made up lyrics and like that's the song but but why don't we give it a second try no that's the song <laughs> well it seems to be like part of the songwriting process someone goes in there and says that's the song apparently i mean just yeah anyway, okay next song next track is summertime rolls I've always liked this song. This is one of the first songs that I heard by Jane's Addiction. And it's just... Literally, it makes you think of summer just the way that the uh, the guitars and the drums and it starts out kind of slow and it's kind of meandering. It makes you think of like just like chilling on your front lawn with your friends and the sunshine, drinking some beers and just relaxing. I didn't like this song um I, I i could definitely see some pink floyd influence mm-hmm. um uh, when it opened up um you know and and despite my critiques of jane's addiction i i don't dislike that band necessarily you mm-hmm. know it's just for the songs that i can appreciate they're more of their up-tempo stuff their slower stuff just wasn't there for me so eh, it you know it, it lost me okay yeah Alrighty, track seven, Mountain Song. I like this song a lot because it starts out really strong, and it kicks in with the with the bass and the uh, guitar. Mm-hmm. It's all like, you know, it starts out coming down the mountain. I like it a lot. I like this song a lot. I like the bass opening to the song, um, the guitar work. Um, once again, I mean, Dave Navarro is, you know, underrated as a guitar player. Yeah, I uh, think I think his like his uh, looks and his his skeeziness has overshadowed the fact that he actually knows how to play his instrument. Well, in that, and I, I think, more, you know, over the past twenty years, he's done more reality shows than anything else. I mean, yeah. he's not. Well, they re- pay. Yeah, and you gotta get money. I, you know, I'm not knocking him making money, but you know, it's the fact that he's not out there, um, you know, consistently putting out work that is hitting the mainstream, and also too, rock music is not getting the attention it once deserved. So even if he is actively trying to make music, it's you know not you know getting out there, but. I also, based on the riff of the song, I would be shocked if uh, the band was not influenced by Judas Priest, because the riff was kind of like a Judas Priest type of riff. Well, and yeah, and you can hear like all of these influences that you're bringing up. You can hear those influences, and there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with being influenced by those bands. Uh, 
not at all. Not at all. I mean, so, even the Beatles had their influences that, oh, yeah. that, you could, that you could hear. So that's a part of any artist. Like you know the you know the books I've written, you can definitely tell where some a lot of the influences came from, mm-hmm. and that that's that's going to be uh, that way in any sort of art. So. Yeah, very true. Uh, next track, uh, "Idiots Rule." Um, and you're thinking, yeah, this band rules. They're idiots. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, to me, it sounded like the result if Phil Collins produced a Stevie Ray Vaughan song. What? It just, it just came out of left field. It, it, it with the horns and stuff. Yeah, and and apparently that was Flea on the horns. Yeah, yeah, the horns, the horns are a little unexpected, yeah. but uh, I don't know. I just there's something about the chorus and just I just really like this song. Maybe it's because. I feel like I'm surrounded by idiots on a pretty regular basis. And she's Just, looking at me and pointing. No, I'm not looking at I'm looking at the ceiling, literally. Looking at the ceiling. So you can't accuse me. You're looking at me now. No. <laughs> Stop looking at me. If I wake up with more bruises. No. It's for James Addiction, bitch. <laughs> oh, I really hope I do punch you in my sleep tonight now. Oh, <laughs> No, I don't. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't sulk. Don't sulk. <laughs> All right. So, did you have anything else to say about the idiots rule? Uh, it also started off like a Black Crows song as well, which I, I it you just, know I kind of like the Black Crows, so that doesn't sound so bad to me. I, and I'm not I'm not knocking the Black Crows either. Um, it just I, it wasn't for me, but it was the most different song on the album if that makes sense the, yeah uh, the other songs even though some are more up tempo some are more lower tempo still felt like they were part of a group uh, yeah this yeah this song, song just kind of like with the horns and stuff you're just like where did this come from yeah but i kind of that's what i kind of like about it where it comes in the album it just kind of breaks things up a bit mm-hmm. so um track nine jane says this is all about jane the drug addict She's going to kick tomorrow. She's going to kick her habit tomorrow. She's going to get clean tomorrow. But today, she's trying to score. Yeah. She's going to kick tomorrow. I guess that was Perry Farrell's roommate or something like that. The inspiration for the band name. Um, I didn't like it. I thought the song was absolute garbage. Um, Again, my opinion. Mm-hmm. That is my opinion. I'm not saying that people that like it are wrong. That is just my musical taste. I didn't care for it. Um, it was a weird mix of acoustic Zeppelin and reggae that just didn't work for me. And then, oh, I kind of like the kind of steel guitar, steel drums kind of sound. It didn't. It just didn't work for me. It just and, didn't work for you. And then you know, Jesus. Perry. That's my Perry Farrell impression. You know. <laughs> That sounds nothing like Perry Farrell. Morris, he did a spot on it. (laughs) (laughs) Been caught stealing once when I was five. (laughs) Oh, you're going to kill me, Tim. Um, I can't. <laughs> I can't recall the name of the person that you're imitating. That's that that sounds like, but 
It's it's not Jerry Lewis, a bad Jerry that... Lewis impression. Hey, I believe in you. Okay, that I guess or, or, it is. Or, or, or I mean, you could also say Professor Frank, but Professor Frank is uh, a takeoff on Jerry Lewis anyway. Though. Hey, good guy, that that monkey's gonna get it. <laughs> but, professor Frank, Professor Frank. Good lord! Oh my gosh! All right. And and again, for any James Addictions fans that are listening, this is just my opinion. I you know I I. I oversay this, but I feel it's important in today's environment to just make sure that just because I didn't like it doesn't mean I'm not I'm knocking people that do like it. Just my musical taste wasn't my cup of tea. Alright. <laughs> yes. Alright, track ten is Thank You Boys. Which, thank you boys. <laughs> which which is what should have ended the album. Started with Up the Beach, should have ended with Thank You Boys, but there's another track after this. Thank You Boys is kind of, it's a throwaway track. And that's what I put on there too, that it, it would have made more sense to put this on last and then have it be sort of like a concept album. They could call yeah. it a concept album without putting much work into making it a concept album. Yeah, exactly. But the last track actually is Pigs and Zen. What do you think of Pigs and Zen? It had a nice opening riff. Mm-hmm. Um, the guitar work makes for my taste makes makes it tolerable i just didn't like the fact that um they you know they were essentially repeating um pigs and zen as much as they can throughout um and just the vocals at the end how it ended was it, it wasn't for me okay Pigs and Jen, pigs and Jen. <laughs> oh god, I just I can't talk. <laughs> anyway, how many times can I say this? Pigs and Jen, Lollapalooza is next. <laughs> oh good lord! <laughs> All right, so that I was uh, payback with my next. <laughs> that was uh, Jane's addiction. Nothing shocking. With uh, additional vocals by uh, Tim Jowsma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what are we listening to next time? Well, one, I forgot to put up a poll on our Facebook group uh, page, and I felt stupid for doing that because, you know, that's one way to get engagement with the audience and that's give yep. them something to engage with so i apologize for that um but i've been thinking about a couple of options like one i've had on a previous poll was the ramones um the ramones debut album which had some classic songs there like you know it opens up with blitzkrieg bop how you know how much better can you get there um i thought of acdc for those about to rock we salute oh, you oh god not acdc <laughs> just think of the impressions you can do of uh, brian johnson you know for those about to rock we salute you, you know. <laughs> he doesn't sound like that i'd have to like figure out some kind of obnoxious rock and roll voice yeah i was also thinking of uh frank zappa um you know overnight sensation it would be interesting to hear your thoughts on dynamo hum uh, <laughs> dynamo hum for folks that don't know is the concept of the song is he talks about a woman that bet him a woman named dinah um, that, that bet him that he couldn't make her come so the song is about how he used his thumb 
to make Dynamo hum. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's, oh. it's funny. Um, but what I decided to go with, uh, since I've talked about her on the show in the past, um, same trailer, different park, Casey Musgraves. Oh, God. I think you are going to be pleasantly surprised. I'm going to make a prediction that you're not going to be a big fan of hers. But you will come out saying, this is all right. Okay. I hope so. Yeah. I, You know, I don't want to hate things that you like. I, and the same here. <laughs> you know, despite my uh, Perry Farrell impression. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Basically, if they had a different vocalist, you'd like them more. I probably would. I probably would. Just different vocalists, different lyrics, a different lyricist. Um, but, I mean, Dave Navarro on guitars, but, you know, with the, a lot of his solos on the, on the album were great. Yeah. Um, loved his work with the Chili Peppers as well. Um, but, you know, with Casey, it's something different. Which <laughs> album of hers? Uh, same trailer, different park. Oh, that is the name of the album. Yep. Oh, okay, because I thought you were just making some joke about trailer parks. Nope. And that's actually the name of the album. Boy, I'm so not with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll go into it uh, in, in further detail, of course, when we get to it. But, um, okay. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a country album, but it's palatable for general audiences, if that makes sense. Because... You know, like the, 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 we've talked, uh, I've talked about a song that she covered from uh, Brooks and Dunn, Neil yeah, Moon. Yeah, you haven't just talked about it. You've fangirled over it, I basically. Did. It was a great damn song. Um, I didn't think but, it was that great. Th- but hearing the original, uh, you know, and, and just hearing Brooks and Dunn with their horrible southern accents immediately immediately took me out of it but um i it's uh, like i said i i predict that when when next week by the time we're done with the review your assessment is that you're gonna think it was all right well you know i already have an and an okay impression of casey musgraves because she was the guest judge on repulse drag race Mm -hmm. and she's been very very positive towards the queer community in general uh, and yeah, there were some positive uh, lyrics uh, for the LGBTQ community on this album. So, alrighty, well, we, cool. I hope I like it. Yeah, and and to be clear, even if you don't, you don't. It's you know, for folks that that listen, it, people these days are so confrontational with their choices that when yeah. you when you have two people like us that that can say. I don't like this song that you like, but not being able to take it personally, it can be a shock sometimes, you know, especially... Yeah, I it, don't take anything personally that Tim just did, including his impersonation of Harry Farrell uh, and his his continued impersonations <laughs> on and off microphone of uh, Morrissey. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I do feel it's important to to make that clear just because if somebody were to pop in at the moment, I'm doing a Perry Farrell impression... I, you know, they could think of me as an asshole, <laughs> and I. You well, know, he is kind of an asshole sometimes, I, but well, sometimes sure. But I, I do that more for the entertainment. Uh, <laughs> you do. The show. He likes to be an asshole to make you laugh, people. Yeah, I'm doing it for you, bitches. Uh, <laughs> but next week, next week, Casey Musgraves, same okay. trailer, different park. This Sunday is going to be our bonus episode. We're going to review NXT Takeover Portland. Yes, we're going to hear 
what it was like for your and baptism into professional wrestling live. So is it like when you go to Rocky Horror Picture Show and they make the virgins get up on stage and do terrible things? Yeah, um, new people, your first time there, you have to take a chair shot to the head. Ouch. No, I'm kidding. I'll make sure to bring my helmet. <laughs> no. WWE doesn't even do that anymore, by the way, but um, for obvious uh, reasons. Um, but uh, no, it, you're going to... I'm not going to have to get wrapped up in toilet paper and jump up and down shouting I'm a tampon. Because I had to do that at the Rocky Horror Picture Show. No. <laughs> no. I remember when um, I took a date um, to... Um, go see Rocky Horror in 2017 um yeah early 2017 at Wizard World and uh Barry oh god Barry what's his name Bostwick Bostwick yes Barry Bostwick Bostwick was there and actually introduced the movie um and in Portland um in Portland they have a theater the Clinton Street Theater yep. that every Saturday um will play uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show I believe in uh, Vancouver it's the Keegan's they don't do it every Saturday, though. But the Keegans still play. They, they do it on yeah, occasion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I, I don't know if the Keegans has you know performers. Oh, they probably do. Okay, the dedicated team or just probably. the audience members. <laughs> it might just be the Clinton Street gang coming over to Vancouver yeah. once in a while. I don't know, honestly. But uh, it was interesting. Like at the at the start of it, I, I guess they have a tradition that um, if you are new there, um, they brought new people up on stage and like they had to like lie down and sit like uh, and lie down and their legs had to be like you know the, the like they were up in like those things you see in like gynecologists oh the stirrups yeah they, like they were they had the stirrups and they had to put like a chocolate donut on their crotch and the person they were with had to eat the donut without using their hands and barry bostwick actually um <laughs> since there was one person who came up that was new that didn't come with anybody barry bostwick had to eat the donut and the girl was like 17 maybe <laughs> so that was a little awkward to see yeah that's a little weird yeah. um but yeah, they they do those little things just to be goofy and to be goofy. But uh, I it just depends, and, and usually they make different people do different things. For me, I got wrapped up in toilet paper with two of my friends, and we had to jump up and down and shout, "We're I'm a tampon." And that may sound weird, but um, you know, I I love the Rocky Horror culture, mm -hmm. um, and I I love the idea of that film too. That even though it's not the most perfect film in the world, I think it falls off about after um, the time warp, <laughs> um, or the, the Meatloaf song is good. But you know, it overall the, just the idea of an entertainment property that's not perfect, but celebrates the idea of just being you and being happy with you no mm -hmm. matter how imperfect you are i applaud that that is beautiful in my book yeah i agree it's it's just it's a fun it's fun it's a fun time and seeing tim curry as dr frankenfurter on the big screen i believe he's no more than five foot five but he was a giant when you well, saw he him was come wearing those there. big old platforms too uh, even then he still looked but yeah he did yeah. they they do a lot of camera tricks to make him look taller uh, that but it's also him as an actor i mean yeah he has actors. a presence yeah he, he's just i'm just a sweet trans you know <laughs> and i'm goofing on perry Farrell, and i can't even sing that <laughs> 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 oh good lord <laughs> all right another episode's in the books we are one step closer to episode 100 wow uh 
I can't wait for that. I think we'll do something unique for that. <laughs> okay. Know. All right. I, I don't know if it'll be wrapping up in toilet paper and yelling out a tampon or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just a waste of paper products. We don't need to do that. Or maybe, I, maybe I can do a whole episode of the per- peripheral voice. No. Welcome to Friends Talking Nerdy. <laughs> Let's not, because I'll, 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 like, end up peeing myself, because I'll be laughing so hard, and I won't be able to keep a straight face, and it'll just be, it'll just, it, the, all the recording will be, like, you saying a few words, and then me giggling, <laughs> and then running to the bathroom. I wanted to talk about Captain Marvel. <laughs> and then the cat will come in and meow while I'm in the bathroom, and, yeah. Yeah, and then Phil, Phil got locked in the bathroom the other day, I don't know how. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think he snuck in while I was half asleep, and I accidentally closed the door on him. And Yeah, because sometimes we want to keep them out, so we keep the door closed, and then I heard some scratching. I got up, opened the door, thinking he'd run in, but he was nowhere to be seen, and I still heard the scratching. And I'm like, Phil? He's like, meow. Phil? Meow. <laughs> and I thought he was in the closet for a second. I'm like, Phil? <laughs> meow. Meow. <laughs> Then I opened up the bathroom door and he came running out and then I was his hero at that point. So Well, he used to dig in the garbage cans under the sink. The, the, they don't, anyway, we don't need to go into our, our details. But yeah, Phil accidentally <laughs> got locked into the bathroom because I was a sleepyhead. Hi, I got locked in here. Uh-uh. How, do, how do I get out? <laughs> and he's fine and he didn't even poop in the bathroom or no. anything like that. So It may have been only for like... 10, 20 minutes, yeah, it probably bad. wasn't very long. So anyway, yeah. I think we're done with this episode. We're just blathering at this point. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know. Jesus. Would you rather I do that? <laughs> You're like, no. <laughs> I've had enough. I've had enough of Jerry Lewis doing, Jerry doing Perry. Yeah. All right. With that, another episode's in the books. We will see you all later. And remember, it's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling. You're growing inside. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling, the feeling you know that I'll be back when the day is new and I'll have more ideas for you and you'll have things you'll want to talk about I will too you always make each day such a special day you know how by just your being you only one person in the whole world like you That's you yourself. I'll be back next time. Bye-bye. Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.